you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. Here's your host, Marcus Grant. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And we are officially in playoff season. I know in a lot of leagues, the actual playoffs have begun. In some leagues, this is a week to sort of play your way into the postseason. So one way or another, your mind is probably in fantasy playoff mode. So uh, myself with Michael Florio will come and join us and we'll talk about some playoff related things, including last night's game at SoFi Stadium. We will have our best value picks for the daily fantasy crowd. Uh, we'll also have some big questions of the week, as we always do, and then we'll finish off uh, with our Ask a Nerd segment, as we do on Fridays every week. So we've got plenty to talk about on today's show, but before we do any of that, talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy, Esquire, and Murph, uh, are you in the playoffs in any of your leagues? I'm inching towards a playoff spot uh, if I win uh, with a matchup versus our mutual friend, Ricky Hollywood, here, and I'm projected to win by about 20 points. I'm feeling really good about my team in general, um, but now what happens is on on Friday, it starts creeping in. Is this the right roster move? Should this guy be benched in favor of this guy? Are you playing the matchups or, you know, you're, you're worried about injury news. So all that craziness starts to mess with your mind. But if things go according to plan, um, I should win. I should beat her. I could talk some trash and then I get into the, the, the fantasy playoffs and hopefully do some damage there. Yeah, it's, it's it's sort of like, you know, when you look at your lineup, I feel like it's like the Cheesecake Factory menu, right? Like you find the thing you want amongst all the items and then you just close the menu and you just like let it sit there and don't go back to it because you're just going to, you know, paralysis by analysis or whatever. Um, you know, and it's a look, I, I, we know Ricky is a friend. We love her. But, you know, you got to win because otherwise pretty sure she's going to make some sort of video and put it out on Twitter or Instagram or something like that if she beats you. Oh, without a doubt, especially if I have a guy in the bench with 35 points and like some of my starters like combined <laughs> for like 11. It's going to it's a total mess. I mean, almost credit to me for having a good bench. But like for once, I hope that I manage this correctly and, and I beat her because that will be great. Absolutely. So best of luck uh, in your playoffs, Thank you. man. We'll, uh, we'll catch up on that. Uh, we're now joined by Michael F. Florio, as we are every Friday. And Florio, you had your own sort of fantasy playoff dilemma uh, that you put out on Twitter. You were sort of wavering between Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift. Uh, and I think Twitter mostly steered you toward Cam Akers. And it turns out that that ended up looking like a pretty good decision. Yeah, it wasn't just Twitter, Marcus. I asked you, I, I asked Rank, I asked everyone that we work with, basically. Anyone who was willing to give me their opinion. I was like, what do you think I should do tonight? Because for weeks, I had just been, I kind of circled that matchup for DeAndre Swift against the Packers. Like, as long as he's back for week 14 in the fantasy playoffs, I'm good to go. It's a great matchup. He could win me the week alone. But then I'm sitting here like, oh, going back and forth. What if he sits? We don't know what his workload is going to be like. Cam Akers had been playing better, so I went with him. 
And after the first quarter, I was feeling great. Like I was like, all right, he's already given me more than he was projected for. I could enjoy it. And then he just exploded in the second half. And I'm sitting here today. I, I, I never want to be too optimistic in the fantasy playoffs because one big game can just ruin everything. But I'm feeling really good today after last night. It is a very good start, no doubt. And uh, we're going to talk about Cam Akers quite a bit on today's show. But, uh, yeah, it, that was pretty much everything you could have hoped for and then some. I mean, I guess I guess if you're being greedy, you could have asked for a touchdown. But otherwise, uh, it was a pretty good day for, for Cam Akers as well. All right, let's turn our attention to some fantasy headlines, including a big one out of Atlanta where Julio Jones has been ruled out for this week's game against the Chargers. So we know that in terms of the wide receivers, you know, Calvin Ridley's going to be there. He probably sees more targets. Russell Gage is probably going to see more work. Uh, Olamide Zacchaeus is on injured reserve. So, I mean, I think it is sort of what it is as the pass catchers go for Atlanta. My question to you, though, is without Julio Jones, how do you feel about Matt Ryan? Not great. Like, I, when I expected Julio to play, I did have Matt Ryan in my top 15 quarterbacks because Denver has been giving up points as of late and I was surprised to see this week when I looked at Matt Ryan is outside the top 15 quarterbacks and fantasy points per game this year I had he had a hot start early in the year I had thought he would have been higher than that but he's been so up and down but then I look at his numbers with and without Julio and with Julio Jones this year he's averaging nearly 23 points per game fantasy points per game and without Julio it's less than 13 so that's a 10 point swing right there and I know it's a smaller sample size in games without Julio Jones but it it stands to reason at least in my opinion that you take away your top weapon and a player in Julio Jones's like capability your your quarterback's numbers are going to go down so I I wasn't crazy over Matt Ryan but I still did have him in my top 15 but now I'm going to be lowering him and probably trying to go in another direction if I was planning on starting him. So you have the numbers, obviously, that bear that out. I would just say, even with the eye test, just watching the Falcons when Julio's not there, that offense just struggles to move the football. Um, you know, the running game has really not produced much of anything. Todd Gurley, you know, his his fantasy value has sort of stayed afloat because he seems to find the end zone. But in terms of actual effectiveness, it has been fairly limited. Uh, Matt Ryan just seems to struggle to get the ball out uh, and, and consistently you know, complete passes when there's no Julio Jones. So I'm, I'm sort of with you. I thought that could be a high-scoring game this week, but but maybe I start to back off the Falcon side of things a little bit uh, if Julio's not – well, because we know Julio's not going to be there. There's even talk that maybe they shut him down for the rest of the season. We'll we'll see about that. We'll, we'll deal with that if that ends up being reality. But we know for sure uh, that he is not going to play in Week 14. Also looking like that they are not likely going to play in week 14 is Christian McCaffrey. He was not at practice again on Friday. Head coach Matt Rule says uh, he is not optimistic that McCaffrey is going to play. Uh, Frustrating on on a lot of respects because a lot of people who were waiting for McCaffrey to come back, that's one thing. I know for CMC himself, he had talked about being excited about playing against his dad's former team in Denver. I mean, he's a guy who grew up in the state of Colorado, so I know there's probably some personal disappointment about not being able to play. If you have Christian McCaffrey, you have figured out sort of how to navigate around his injury this year. It's been most of the year that this has been like this. Uh, But for you, looking ahead to 2021, how much does what we have seen or not seen this year impact his draft value for next year? 
Yeah, condolences to anyone who drafted him first overall. It's hard enough when you lose your first round pick at a, in any point of the first round, but to lose the first overall pick, if you're still in the fantasy playoffs, kudos to you. You've done a really good job of overcoming it. Um, but for next year, Marcus, I know if you are the person who drafted Christian McCaffrey first overall this year, you don't want to hear it, but I still think he should be <laughs> the first overall pick next year. And if not first overall in the top three, no later than top five. I mean, he's only played three games this year, but in those three games, he's dominated the snaps, the workload. He's gone off for fantasy, giving you 25 plus fantasy points in all those games. So he's been productive and the workload is not in question anything like that last season was the second best fantasy season anyone's ever had behind 2006 lt only so i think the ceiling is so high the floor that he has shown us when he is healthy every single week is so high that he still needs to be considered the first or maybe second i don't even know who i would say to take over him but i think that he should still very much so be the top pick next season I think that's fair, especially when you talk about what he did, what he did last year, what he has done in limited opportunities this year. I go back to 2019. There was a game where he scored 30 fantasy points and didn't get in the end zone. Uh, so that says a lot to me about how they use him, how productive he's going to be. I also sort of look at Mike Davis this year, who stepped in and the first couple of weeks looked great. But we've seen him sort of fade away as the weeks have gone on. And so I think this speaks to... McCaffrey's consistency when he's on the field so this year has been a lost year for him no doubt but I do think that when we kind of get to next year uh, and and we start to look at this rationally uh, you see the opportunity you see the production and it really is hard to make a case uh, that there is anybody else or at least you know maybe you can come up with one but I think you're gonna have a hard time finding two or three guys that you'd want to have ahead of Christian McCaffrey uh, at the top of your drafts. The thing is, like the other guys who we were considering this year, Saquon Barkley, he has, he's been out the whole year. Alvin Kamara, he could have Taysom Hill. Zeke hasn't been Zeke this year. I think the first round is going to look very different next year. I would agree. Uh, you mentioned Kamara. Uh, you know, if Taysom Hill is the quarterback next year, that changes that dynamic. It also changes Michael Thomas, uh, who I think was a top three or four pick in a lot of leagues. So you're right. I think the beginning of the first round, the first round in general, may just look very different this year or next year than it did uh, this year. Over to the New York Giants, where head coach Joe Judge says he is optimistic about Daniel Jones playing this week against the Cardinals uh, with a hamstring issue. So if you were looking at, at Danny Dimes this week, say as maybe a streamer or maybe you know, more fittingly as uh, a daily fantasy play, would you consider putting him in a lineup? I think I like him better in DFS than I do in season long leagues for sure as a streamer, because in DFS, especially in like a tournament, you're hoping for that upside. And he does come with that upside because of his rushing ability. We've seen it throughout the year where he can give you 40 plus rushing yards. He's a game where he has over 90 rushing yards and that is like cheat code level rushing ability for a quarterback my only concern here is he's coming back from a hamstring injury so I'm worried that to protect him kind of from himself and keep him healthy because the Giants are in a playoff hunt here maybe they asked Daniel Jones not to run as much this year so his hamstring can get a hundred percent better and if he's not running then I don't think you're going to get enough fantasy points out of just him as a passer um, so that's my concern with Daniel Jones this week but I do like the Cardinals defense as a streamer against him because he does have some turnover prone issues at times. 
I know the last couple of games before he got hurt, people were sort of hoping he turned a corner because he hadn't turned the ball over. But the history suggests that it is probably going to be a thing still. So for that reason, I mean, sacks and turnovers, that's generally what you want out of a fantasy defense. And that is certainly on the board for the Cardinals. You talk about Jones and sort of his cheat code ability. That was why I thought he, he really had sleeper potential this year. I knew he had to cut down on the turnovers, which he really hadn't done. But the fact that he could run, the fact that he is fifth, among quarterbacks and rushing yards, he has more rushing yards than Deshaun Watson. So that speaks a lot to what that part of his game is. And if that is not there, then I do worry a little bit about what he can do. I would say, you know, definitely in daily. I don't know that I, I would try him outside of two quarterback leagues uh, if we're talking about more season-long formats. All right, let's turn our attention to Thursday night football at SoFi Stadium, the Rams and the Patriots, a rematch of Super Bowl 53. And just like Super Bowl 53, one of the two teams only scored three points. Um, this time it was the Patriots and not the Rams. 24 to 3 was the final score in a game that didn't even really feel that close. Uh, the big story of the game, no doubt, was Cam Akers, 194 scrimmage yards, more than 21 fantasy points. Jared Goff got you about 14 and a half fantasy points, a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown in that one. And then Cooper Cup, five catches, 33 yards and a touchdown, 14.3 points. Those are the only three players that scored in double digits uh, in that game on Thursday night. But let's talk about Akers. Uh, and we'll talk about him a couple times in this show today. But the huge game there uh, had coming off a really good game in week 13. Are we officially sold that he is the Rams RB one? Yes, I, I am. And I know McVay came out this morning after the game last night and said, Oh, we're, we're not going to name him the starter. We're not going to say what his workload is going to be. Blah, blah, blah. To me, that's all coach speak. He's not trying to give away his game plan. McVay has been kind of keeping things close to the chest all year, but I think like actions speak louder than words when it comes to coaches and McVay's actions the last couple of weeks have clearly shown that Cam Akers is his running back. He was coming into last night. He was the week before that he had over 20 touches. He played 62% of the snaps. That was the most a Rams running back had played in any game this year. And Akers destroyed that number last night playing 81% of the snaps. He was the back that was the... He didn't score the touchdown because Goff had the rushing touchdown. Then they had that short pass to Cooper Cup. But he was the back that they were using near the goal line. And that's been a trend for weeks. He had scored in each of his three games prior to last night. And throw the numbers out, Marcus. If you want to go by the eye test, right? Like how can Sean McVay stand there on the sidelines and watch Cam Akers pick up chunks of yards after chunks of yards every time? Like he had multiple runs last, last night that went for over 10 yards. How can you see that and be like, you know what? I know what's going to work for us next week. Let's get Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson back involved. I, I don't foresee that happening. I think Cam Akers is going to eat next week against the Jets. Before the season started, I, I was joking that his full given name was Cam Akers, who ran behind a bad <laughs> offensive line at Florida State, because that's how everybody sort of described him. Uh, and the thought was, OK, well, you know, the Rams offensive line was not particularly great last year, so he should have some experience with this. And, you know. It turned out that the Rams offensive line has been better than advertised so far this season. So that has certainly been a plus. It's taken Akers some time. He had the injury issues. He was dealing with a committee. But now it does seem that Sean McVay has fully committed to turning the job over to him. So I guess there is a level of confidence there. I think 
Um, it has been sort of amusing. I know there is a large Cam Akers hive, uh, especially amongst Dynasty and, and Devi League Twitter. And uh, it's been sort of amusing to watch a lot of these folks kind of take victory laps. I mean, it, it's great that he's playing well. I think there's no doubt that, that he looks like he's the future of that backfield. Let's also, you know, think about the fact that for a lot of people, they probably gave up on Cam Akers because he wasn't giving them anything. So uh, while he may end up helping a lot of teams win their championships, uh, you know, let's also sort of, you know, sort of temper the enthusiasm a little bit because for much of the year he didn't give us much. But uh, I think we're in a good spot now with him. So I think we can put him in our lineups for the rest of the year and, and have a level of confidence uh, that Sean McVay has found his lead running back, which is really all we, we ever wanted from the beginning. Uh, on the flip side, it was a rough night for the Patriots offense. Uh, you know, again, they scored only three points uh, all night long. Is it worth having any Patriots on your roster for the rest of the season? I don't feel great about any of them. I think it's still, in some instances, still worth having Cam Newton in a two-quarterback league for sure. Uh, even in a one-quarterback league, it would depend on your options. Like, if you have, like, a Cam and a Matt Ryan or, or something like that, then I think he is worth holding on to there because of what he can give you with his legs and the fact that he can go for two rushing touchdowns in any week. But if you have, say, like him and a Ryan Tannehill or, or Justin Herbert or something like that where you're feeling good about your other quarterback, then I think you can go and cut him because he's very hard to predict, Marcus. Like, so much of why I like him is what he does with his legs. But in games where this year where he doesn't have a rushing touchdown, coming into week 14, he was averaging just eight and a half fantasy points. And he was held to under five last night. So that number is going down. So I don't love Cam Newton, but I can understand rostering him in certain instances. And then Damian Harris is the only other one. He's He doesn't really have much of a ceiling because they don't really throw him the ball and they get cute with Cam Newton near the goal line. So he doesn't always get the touchdowns, but he could still give you, you know, 11, 12 points in any given week. And I think there's value to having that running back who can do that on your bench. Damian Harris is definitely one that, that I like, and I've been a fan of him for the past few weeks. He, he, he seems to have really locked down that, that number one role there uh, for the, for the Patriots backfield. And I feel like you can't have too much depth at running back. So I'm definitely okay with holding on to him. I have been sort of in my own personal cam dilemma where you know I've been kind of alternating him and other quarterbacks kind of streaming from them. And the rushing upside sort of keeps me on board. I, I have been toying with whether or not I want to hold on to him. Um, but I think because of that rushing touchdown upside, maybe I stick with it. Uh, I, I mean, look, Flora, you, you were part of the research team there. This is a weird quarterback season. 11 rushing touchdowns, five passing touchdowns. I need you you and Okada and Matt Frederick, uh, Kareem Falcone. You guys all put your heads together and, and let me know if there has ever been a quarterback season like this because this is one of the more unique ones I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I don't know if, at least in my memory, I can't tell you of another quarterback season where a guy played – you know, the whole season and he's going to have double digit rushing touchdowns and probably single digit passing. It's unlike like we would expect this from Taysom Hill, not Cam Newton. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it is. It is weird, but uh, we'll see. I mean, it's it's enough that rushing upside is enough to keep me hanging on, at least for the last uh, couple weeks of the season. All right. Today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, a leader in one day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week. So download the DraftKings app now. Use code team during sign up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It is week 14, which is the start of the playoffs for a lot of people. We know some of you are still uh 
playing your way into the postseason where your playoffs are in weeks 15 and 16, but not 17. Do not friends don't let friends play week 17. Just don't do it. You're not you're not thinking outside the box. This is not 3D chess. You're just basically hamstringing the best teams in your league. Don't do this. Uh, you don't want championships decided by third stringers, Marcus? I don't. I really don't. Uh, I mean, seriously, it would be like, look, as a 49ers fan, if the league had just randomly told Patrick Mahomes he had to sit down on the Super Bowl last year, like that would have been great. The Niners probably would you know, would have had a parade or something like that. Uh, but no, and re- really, like, you know, you, you built a great team. You worked so hard. You don't just want to arbitrarily have to start random people uh, to try to win a championship. It, so just don't. It was kind of like your Warriors, Marcus, against the Raptors that year in the finals. Yeah. I mean, you know, at some point, you know, there's no Steph and the clay gets hurt. Yeah, it just, it just, you know, at some point the Raptors were destined to win because the Warriors were, you know, had to put a JV team out there. Uh, all right. <laughs> Let's talk about the Eagles a little bit because one of the big stories of the week has been Carson Wentz getting benched in favor of Jalen Hurts. I know a lot of folks are excited. They just want to see what Hurts can do considering how much, how much Wentz has struggled and it was sort of fun to see him you know, kind of run around and make some plays against the Packers, who had no idea what to expect. This week, though, he's got the Saints, which is a much tougher matchup. They will have at least a little bit of tape on, on Jalen Hurts to watch to sort of prepare. What are you expecting from him in this game? I, Marcus, we've spoke before about like how Sean Payton hates fantasy managers. I think <laughs> Doug Peterson is right up there with Sean Payton because – Jalen Hurts is someone that myself and and I'm sure many other fantasy players have been excited for this year just because of what he can do with his legs. Like nothing against Carson Wentz. Jalen Hurts rushed for more yards in Oklahoma last year than Kyler Murray did the year before. So his rushing ability is, I think, one of the best in, in football. But now we get him the first week. It's against the Saints, like you said, Marcus, who their defense is just looking so tough. They haven't allowed 20 fantasy points to a player regardless of position, defense and kickers included, since week nine. They haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher in 50 games. you got to go back like three years to the last time they allowed one. It Their defense is so scary right now that as excited as I have been and, and wanting to see Jalen Hurts play, uh, unless I'm in like a two-quarterback league or something, I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach. The Saints defense is way too scary to play a quarterback making his first NFL start against them. I also feel like, I mean, look, the Saints defense is very good. They're playing great football on their own. I also feel like they might have a sort of a leg up in the sense of a lot of the things we're expecting out of Jalen Hurts are things they probably see out of Taysom Hill on a daily basis. That's a really good point. Who runs around, you know, who maybe isn't the most developed passer just yet, but is very athletic, can make plays with his legs. Uh, I feel like, you know, like I usually you, you hear about teams bringing some guy off the scout team, you know, getting like a, a wide receiver who played quarterback like in high school off the scout team and, and having him, you know, impersonate a guy. I don't think they have to find somebody to impersonate Jalen Hurts. I think they just sort of run against Taysom Hill and they're like, yeah, this is kind of a basic idea of, of what we can expect <laughs> this week. So I, I would not start Hurts. I can't think of a four. Even in daily, I don't know that I would really take the plunge on Hurts. Maybe maybe there, I guess, because he can get you a rushing touchdown potentially. Um, but I, I don't have a good feeling about the Eagles scoring a whole lot of points in this one or moving the ball consistently in this one. So I would stay away from Hurts. I, I don't know about you, Florio. I, I think I'm staying away from all the Eagles because even Miles Sanders is seeing fewer and fewer opportunities I just I just don't like any Philadelphia Eagles in this game. Am I crazy? 
No, I don't, I don't think so at all. I, I spoke about how good the Saints defense has been, and Miles Sanders is the one eagle we think we can feel good about, right? But all it took to get Jordan Howard usage, Marcus, was getting him back on <laughs> Philly because he's now eating into Miles Sanders' work, and so is Boston Scott. It is so frustrating if you have Miles Sanders, but he's not even like in my top 20 running backs this week. I think you got to sit him. And the Saints defense, though, is the, the must-start defense of the week, I think, like, with Wentz, the Eagles were allowing the most sacks per game. And then last week when Jalen Hurts came in, he dropped back 15 times and was sacked three of them. So that's not good. That's not what you want to see uh, out of your quarterback. So I think the Saints defense is the top defense this week in DFS or any format. I believe it's 10 straight games now that the Eagles have allowed four or more sacks. Uh, that's not good. That, that is it, is, it, is a, it is a great reason to start the Saints uh, in this one. On the other side of the ball, though, the Saints offense has look, it has trucked along. I mean, they're they're winning games. They've won nine in a row. They're undefeated with Taysom Hill at quarterback. We saw a little bit out of Alvin Kamara last week. He got you 17, almost 18 fantasy points, had a long run, got in the end zone. Is there a way that both Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill can prosper at the same time? I don't feel great about it. Maybe this is the, the pessimist in me, Marcus, but – Last week on Twitter, there was like a lot of rejoice, like a lot of, I think, relief for Alvin Kamara. Like, all right, he got almost 18 fantasy points. We can breathe. Like, he's he's back. He's Alvin Kamara. My takeaway from it is like, is he back, though? Because if this is like, like we're getting excited for 18 fantasy points from, from Kamara. And I understand that that is setting the bar really high to be disappointed by 18 fantasy points. But he had fewer than 20 fantasy points in Basically, he had 19.9 in one game, and then besides that, fewer than 20 fantasy points in one game with Drew Brees. And now we're talking about his best game so far with Taysom Hill being just under 18. And and still, with Taysom Hill, he has two, uh, three catches for seven yards in three games. Like, uh, again, Marcus, maybe I'm just being too pessimistic, and, and you got to talk me off of a ledge here. But if I have Alvin Kamara... Coming into the fantasy playoffs before Breeze got hurt, I was expecting to have a top two or three running back and a potential league winner on my hands. And now I'm just hoping that he can give me 15 to 20 points each week. It's it's a big blow to his value, I think. It was a thing where last week at the end of the game and, and seeing the 18 or almost 18 points, I was like, okay, maybe it's okay. Maybe we can exhale. Maybe things are going to be fine. And then you kind of dig into it a little bit and there are reasons to still be worried. I mean, uh, he had a... a Big chunk of yards on one run. Uh, fortunately, he was able to score the touchdown, but that is not necessarily uh, indicative of what could happen going forward because Taysom Hill is still going to, to take those opportunities down near the goal line. I mean, Hill is liable to run one in from you know, 10, 15 yards out. That's just the way he plays. So the touchdown upside isn't necessarily there. Uh, you mentioned the targets, which has always been a huge part of Kamara's game. That was a big reason why we we loved him so much at the top of drafts, because he's going to see targets. He's going to get catches. Uh, he had, I think, three targets on Sunday, caught two of them. But that seven yards you mentioned is is incredibly unnerving. So I do think <laughs> there are still reasons to be worried. And this is the worst, because uh, as Adam Rank and I talked about earlier in the week, at least if you have Christian McCaffrey you just sort of know like he's just not going to be there and you can just make contingency plans around it. This in a lot of ways is almost worse because 
you feel compelled to put Alvin Kamara in your lineup because you know what the ceiling is and you know that there's a chance for that huge blow up game at any time. And then to do that and see him get you, you know, nine, 12, you know, something like that, you know, even, even we're rejoicing over 17 points. That's not what you were signing up for. That is not why you made him a top three pick in a lot of leagues and to have it sort of really fall apart, you know, late in the regular season, start of the playoffs, that is is maddening, and I don't know that it necessarily gets better this week. Maybe week 15, if you can survive this and get to week 15 and hope Drew Brees comes back, then maybe things get better. But uh, you are sort of in a, uh, in a hard place right now waiting for, for Alvin Kamara's production to come back to where it was. I I will say I am excited, though. I'm ha- not excited. I'm happy that we got to see the stretch with him with Taysom Hill because it's just <laughs> it's sounding even more than ever that like, Whenever Breeze hangs it up, that Taysom Hill is taking over for him. And I know myself, I would have got sucked back into Alvin Kamara being like, him and Hill running the option, that's going to be so great for fantasy. We're seeing firsthand that it is not. And at least now we we have some information that we can make a, a decision with rather than just kind of going in blindly with him as in Taysom Hill. We talked earlier about how the first round of drafts is going to look so different, and and this could very well be a part of it, though, what happens with Alvin Kamara. Uh, In Pittsburgh, they've got three good wide receivers, and we sort of talked about this in the past, and I'm still trying to figure out how do we, or at least how are you, sort of sorting out this receiver. Deontay Johnson seems to be the number one on paper. He is actually the third among them in fantasy scoring. How do you how do you square this group right now? So I I value Deontay Johnson as the wide receiver one, at least for fantasy. I put it out on Twitter the other day, like because it's always a debate. I see like, oh, who's better, Deontay or Juju? And, And in real life, you can debate that all you want. But I think in fantasy, there's no debate here. Like whenever Deontay Johnson is healthy and he's been healthy as of late a good amount, he gets double-digit targets every single week, and that kind of volume, it, it just it's huge in fantasy football. If you have a receiver who you could just pencil in for 10-plus targets every week, you have to feel great about that. And then I think Juju is their number two wide receiver, but he is more the safe floor, not really the upside that he used to have uh, because I hate the way they are using Juju right now. Uh, he's has a season, a career low in an air yards per target, a career low. And you would think that, all right, if they're not using him as downfield as much, hopefully he's picking up more yards after the catch. He is a career low in yards after the catch per reception this year. So neither of what they're using him for is really working. I I don't understand why they're using him like he's a tight end. And then Chase Claypool, he's very up and down, but I think his ceiling is the highest of those three on any given day because he is explosive down the field. They'll use him in the running game when they get near the goal line. But he can have a game like last week where he gives you less than five fantasy points. So that's kind of I know it's kind of confusing with these three, but that's how I'm valuing them, at least right now going forward. Juju has sort of become the Jordan Howard of of wide receiver. Actually, probably not because his he's getting like four yards a catch, which I don't think Jordan Howard's getting four <laughs> yards a, a carry. So maybe not. But uh, it, it has been weird. I mean, I think he had what seven catches for twenty eight yards, which seems damn near impossible. But apparently, that's what Julian happened. Edelman two point He really is. I mean, it, it, it's it's <laughs> mind boggling to think that, that that could happen in a game. But that is sort of how the the Steelers are using him. Uh, I, I definitely agree with the idea of Chase Claypool having the highest ceiling, especially because he tends to be the, the field stretcher. Uh, he definitely has some touchdown upside for them. Uh, you know, Deontay Johnson, I think, you know, 
he does look like he's going to be their number one wide receiver going forward. I know people have sort of complained uh, about his drops. Uh, I, I was one who used to be on the side of like, the guy drops the ball. He probably shouldn't be on the field. I have sort of come around. I have changed my way of thinking. Um, you know, part of it is that you get a lot of drops because they're throwing you a lot of targets. Uh, I mean, it would be nice for him to squeeze it more consistently, but they're still going in his direction. And for our purposes, that's really all we care about. It, it is when, Roethlisberger stops throwing it to Deontay Johnson because of the drops, that maybe then we become concerned, but but that hasn't been the case. Uh, in Arizona, Kyler Murray has been slumping of late. The shoulder issue might be more serious than either the player or the team is letting on. Whatever the reason, uh, Kyler has not been particularly a great option last few weeks. Part of it is that he is not running the football nearly as much. So when you look at Kyler, what is his ceiling if he is not going to be the runner that we saw early in the year. It, it is much lower. Like the first 10 weeks of the season, the, the stat that, that me and the research team kept throwing out there for Kyler Murray is like 21 plus fantasy points in every game this year, the only quarterback in the league to do so. Now he's gone three straight games where he hasn't got 21 in any of them. He's only got 20 in one of those three. And then he's got eight and 16. Like that is not the Kyler we signed up for. And in those first 10 weeks of the season he had one game without a rushing touchdown and he had one game with less than 30 rushing yards his high in the last three is 31 rushing yards and he does not have a rushing touchdown in any of those three and the passing numbers just haven't been there to make up for it it's no offense to to Kyler Murray but I think he's more like a Lamar Jackson I think he's a better passer than a Lamar Jackson but I think he's like Lamar more like Lamar than like a Mahomes where he can just give you 30-plus fantasy points with his arm. I think for Kyler Murray, the appeal is so much of what he was doing with his legs. And if you've really taken that away from him because of the shoulder injury that he's nursing, I think you really have to start to lower him. I still have him as a QB1, but he is not a top-five quarterback. And that the first 10 weeks would have been crazy to not have him in the top five. But he, I, I, every week he falls a little bit lower and lower in my rankings. But as someone playing DeAndre Hopkins this week, Marcus, I am petrified that <laughs> his shoulder is going to be normal and they're just going to go back to, to what they were early on in the season. Early on in the season, I would watch them and I, I said that they had basically two plays. Throw it to Nuke, Kyler runs. And, and that has kind of, you know, now they're still throwing it to Nuke. Kyler's not running as much and the offense certainly has has slowed down because of that. I think you know it speaks you know in part to Kyler's situation and maybe the injury. I also think it speaks a lot to the rest of the receiving core because you've got DeAndre Hopkins that you know is going to be pretty productive week in and week out. They have not found any consistency with their other receivers, whether it is Christian Kirk uh, or Andy Isabella. I mean, I think at this point you only expect so much uh, out of Larry Fitzgerald, who uh, we know has missed the last couple of weeks on the COVID list. But but when he was there, even you still had limited expectations. Arizona needs to get production from somewhere else. That would certainly help Kyler's ceiling. It doesn't. That wouldn't force him to rush the football as much to be productive. But I, I don't think that's going to happen in the, ne uh, the next few weeks. So now, all of a sudden, you are really stuck. Where if you've been riding Kyler Murray for so long, you are kind of concerned about what's going to happen. Uh, I don't know how excited I am for this matchup against the Giants, who did a great job of shutting down Russell Wilson last week. Uh, in that, that big surprise win. And I wonder, worry that maybe uh, they can do the same again this week to Kyler Murray. You're probably starting him, uh, but it is definitely a scary place to be 
for the fantasy playoffs. It's time for Best Value presented by DraftKings. Every week we try to give you the most bang for your daily fantasy bucks. So we'll go position by position. So let's start us off, Florida. Who is your best value quarterback for the week? It's boring, but I'm going to go with Phillip Rivers here, who has been playing pretty good football as of late. In fact, since week six, he is the QB 13 in fantasy football, and he is less than 16 points in just one of those games. So, you know, he's going to come with a safe floor, but he's also scored over 19 in four of those. So he does have some upside. You're going to get zero rushing upside out of this guy, but... The Raiders do give up the 10th most fantasy points to quarterbacks, and they've allowed uh, over 20 fantasy points to that position in six of their last nine games. So it's kind of like just riding a boring hot hand with Phillip Rivers in a good matchup. But for less than $6,000, I think he's a good value in DFS. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, I, I am going to take a shot, though, at Daniel Jones. And, and we talked earlier about uh, what his upside could be. Certainly the rushing upside might not be there quite as much as he's dealing with that hamstring injury. But the Cardinals secondary has given up some plays over the last few weeks. So here's the hoping he can kind of get the ball out uh, to his pass catchers. You know, Evan Ingram can make some plays. They can find some other guys to make some plays in the passing game. I think there's a, a shot there. And the fact that we talk about sacks and turnovers, uh, you talk fantasy, sacks don't impact the quarterback directly in terms of points. And, and even uh, with minus two for, for interceptions, there is a there's a threshold that you can sort of get away with uh, if you're putting up enough yards and touchdowns on the other end. So uh, more of maybe a, a risky play, but certainly gives you a lot more flexibility uh, elsewhere on your roster. Uh, who is your value running back for the week? It's weird to go with a running back who after I just spoke up his quarterback, but I think Jonathan Taylor is another good value for the Colts here this week. He scored a season high 22.5 fantasy points, but it's not just the points that we're chasing. Like last week, he led the Colts backs in snaps, carries, yards, touchdowns, and he tied Naheem Hines for the lead in targets and catches amongst them. And he had more receiving yards and the receiving touchdown there. I think Jonathan Taylor has been playing good ball as of late and that, that's just going to make them more confident to continue to use him. We've kind of seen Jordan Wilkins phased out of this offense. And in a good matchup where the Raiders give up a, a lot of points to, to running backs, they giving up the fifth most, in fact, this year. I, I like Jonathan Taylor, and I'm hoping that he can kind of follow the lead that Cam Akers already set on Thursday night and just get another breakout rookie running back again this week. I'm going to go with another former Wisconsin running back, and that's Melvin Gordon going up against the Carolina Panthers. I mean, we've been picking on the Panthers' run defense all season long for good reason. And as much as I like Philip Lindsay, as much as I want to see him get a larger role, uh, at least over the last few weeks, Gordon has been the better running back and has been getting a majority of the opportunities. So I expect that's going to continue this week. I don't know how high scoring of a game this is going to be, but I do think that Denver can run the ball effectively uh, and that Melvin Gordon is going to be the recipient uh, of a lot of those touches. Uh, turning to wide receiver, where are you going for your value pick this week? I'm going with Mike Williams here at 4,700, and I got burned by Justin Herbert last week. Marcus, Adam Rank eliminated me in the Fantasy Live <laughs> League because I started Herbert over Allen. I'm still a little salty if you can't tell, but – I'm going back for more with this Chargers offense this week against the Atlanta Falcons. They give up the second most fantasy points and the second most yards to wide receivers. And that includes 19 catches of 20 plus air yards this year, the sixth most in football. So I am hopeful that 
better days are for this whole offense, but especially Mike Williams here as he can get behind this Falcons defense and catch a long ball or two. The targets have been there. The fantasy production hasn't. I think that changes this week. I think this is a bounce back week for the Charger offense as a whole after what was a pretty awful week uh, last week against the Patriots. I'm going to go with Tyler Boyd. And even last week, uh, he was able to, to, to catch some balls, make some plays. He you know, ultimately was ejected from that game. But uh, you know, before that, things were going pretty well for Tyler Boyd. So uh, I still think there's an opportunity for him to go out and, and make some plays in the game against the Cowboys. We have been picking on that defense pretty much all year long. I don't see why that's going to change this week. And Boyd, uh, I think, still is the guy that is the number one wide receiver. I know T. Higgins has had some nice games uh, with Brandon Allen, at quarterback, but I still think that uh, he's going that, that Boyd is going to be uh, the number one option in the passing game. All right, to the dart throw that is tight end, uh, where are we going this week? <laughs> Yeah, if you're not going with like Kelsey or or Waller this week, I think Dalton Schultz is a good dart throw because he has not scored uh, fewer than seven fantasy points since week eight. And again, that doesn't sound like a whole lot, Marcus, but when you're talking about tight ends, I think that's a pretty safe floor uh, at the position at least. And then the matchup is just, it's great. He gets the Bengals who've allowed the fourth most fantasy points per game to tight ends, including a league high 68.5 yards per game. And we just saw last week Mike Gusecki go for nearly 24 fantasy points against this defense. They've struggled against tight ends all year. So with the kind of safe floor and the good matchup, I, I like Dalton Schultz here. But I like your option a lot as well. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'm going with Cole Komet in Chicago. And he is very quietly sort of been pushing Jimmy Graham to the background here. And this looks like a game where the, the Bears offense can actually make some some yards, put up some points against the Houston Texans. Uh, I know it has sort of been a struggle really relying on the Bears as a whole, beyond, say, Allen Robinson and David Montgomery the last couple of weeks. But Cole Komet starting to get more snaps, more targets than Jimmy Graham. I think this is a week uh, that if you are sort of playing the tight end market uh, and deciding to go value there, that, that Cole Komet could be an option for you. Uh, lastly, your value defense for week 14. Yeah, I'm going with the Cardinals here. Uh, I kind of spoke about it earlier. If Daniel Jones isn't able to run, which is something I have some concerns over, I, I think he'll have to throw the ball more. And we've seen at times this year when he has to throw or when he has to, you know, drop back, you can you can get him with the sacks and then force a fumble or get an interception. He has 13 giveaways this year. So I, I like the Cardinals defense as a cheaper option. And in fact, I'm even using them in a couple of my season long leagues this week. I'm going to go with the the Panthers in this one. And I talked about Melvin Gordon, I know, earlier as, as being able to have a good run game uh, against this Panther defense. But throwing the football against Carolina has not been a great great time. And I think they're, they're – uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Drew Locke. That's the guy's name I'm coming up with. Uh, <laughs> he is prone to throwing some interceptions, as you see here. He can get You can get pressure on him. You can have him make some bad throws. Uh, and I do think that, that there's an opportunity for the Panthers to, to make some turnovers, uh, to force some, some big plays on the defensive side of the football, and uh, maybe give you some production as kind of a value option there for DFS. There you go. That was Best Values, presented by DraftKings. Time for the Best of the Pack, presented by Panini Trading Cards. Every week we open a pack of cards. We pick three of them out, and we uh, kind of kick some ideas around. So first up this week is Baker Mayfield of your Cleveland Browns, your nine-win guaranteed winning season Cleveland Browns. 
Baker was great last week. Most of the season, he has you know not been the greatest fantasy quarterback. They haven't needed him because they run the ball so well. Uh, but looking at the schedule, I mean, there's still the Jets there. The Giants matchup is you know not so great this week. Certainly not against Baltimore. But would you consider say maybe week 16 uh, streaming him somewhere in your fantasy playoffs? Yeah, I think week 16 is really the only game the rest of the way that I am excited about him. And I know when people see the Giants, they get excited as well. At least like I had a a friend of mine be like, well, he gets the two New York teams. And I was like, the Giants are in the top bottom five of points allowed to quarterbacks this year. Their defense is playing really well. James Bradbury deserves a ton of credit. And Adam Rank, too, for talking him up all year. Like Bradbury has looked amazing all season. I I wouldn't play him against Baltimore. He, he was held in a re- game recipe that kind of led to him having to throw a lot. In week one, he was still held under 10 fantasy points there. Last week, he had over the 29. He has two games this year with over 29 fantasy points. No other game with even 19. So I think outside of week 16, I'm staying away from Baker right now. That, that Giants thing is the one that I think sneaks up on people because I think the assumption is you look at the record, you look at the fact that the NFC East – uh, hasn't been great this year. And I think the the idea automatically is, well, you can start people against the Giants. And you really can't. And it was why I was worried uh, about Russell Wilson a couple weeks ago. It's why I'm worried about Kyler Murray. So that's what I would stay away from. Uh, but I, I can see when we get to week 16, uh, a lot of folks you know, talking themselves into streaming Baker Mayfield. I think certainly he'll be in a lot of DFS lineups just because the matchup uh, is really good. So, so that is certainly a possibility. Okay, next. Uh, a name you might have heard once or twice on this show today. Uh, it is Cam Akers of your Los Angeles Rams, fresh off a huge game against the New England Patriots. It has been a late a late rise for Cam Akers, but a lot of times we sort of fall in love with the last thing we see from a player. So uh, if, if what we've seen the last couple of weeks holds, where would you project his draft stock in 2021? Yeah, and, and like, let's say he has a big game next week against the Jets, and then it continues, like you said. I can see people not quite, you know, an RB1, but I could see him being one of those RB2s that gets a ton of hype. And I saw, like, last night on Twitter, Brad Evans said, uh, I, I have no problem drafting him the third round next year. And my first thought was, like, I'd be okay with that, but I could 100% see Cam Akers being one of these players that gets so much hype in August that he's going in round two and then that becomes a lot more risky. Uh, I, I think, though, that is going to be his range. Like, after the RB1s are off the board, like, I think DeAndre Swift will go over him, James Robinson amongst the rookies. But after those guys, I think that Cam Akers, once we get to the RB2 territory, is going to be someone that a lot of people are going to hype up as, oh, this third-round pick could be a first-round pick next year, and then he could go <laughs> even higher. Third round is probably about my ceiling for where I would take him. Now, I think what might end up driving the hype, again, I don't think – that all three of those backs will be back next year. Akers will certainly be back. What happens with, say, a Daryl Henderson or a Malcolm Brown is going to have an impact. If one of those guys is gone, then I think the hype's going to to extend. I think if somehow both of those other guys are gone, then the hype's going to shoot through the roof. But I also feel like Sean McVay is not going to give Cam Akers Todd Gurley-type work, like what we saw with Gurley during his heyday with the Rams. I just don't think Sean McVay is going to do that anymore. And so the fact that he had, uh, that Akers had, I think, 29 touches on Thursday night, I mean, that is amazing. I also just don't think that is going to be the norm or going to be the future. It just so happened that the game script lent itself toward that. So I do still think there's always going to be at least one other running back in the mix. Uh, But Akers has shown that he can be the guy. And so I I would like third round for him. 
but I do fear that the hype is going to push him up a little bit higher uh, by the time we get to September. Uh, last one, it is Amari Cooper with the Dallas Cowboys. And so my argument sort of, I won't say against Amari Cooper, but one of the things I worried about with him was the fact that in the past, his production had been fairly volatile. Um, that you know, you get the huge spike weeks where he'd give you 30 points, and then the next week he might give you four. That hasn't really been the case this year. He has had a fairly stable floor week to week, and it's happened uh, regardless of the matchup. So at this point, is Amari Cooper matchup proof? Is he a guy that you just set it and forget it now? Yeah, I, I think so, Marcus. Not only has it become matchup proof, he's also kind of become quarterback proof. Like they've had so many different quarterbacks, and you look at his uh his game log like he's been super consistent he has two games with less than 12 fantasy points all year and it's the opposite of what he was like you were saying for so many years with with the Raiders and, and even a little bit with Dallas like it was all right we're gonna get the blow-up game or are we gonna get like it's gonna be like wide receiver 100 this week well that's not the case anymore he is I don't know if he's a consistent wide receiver one for me every single week but he's a top 15 guy that you you play and you don't really question it I think and honestly, I think I, I like this version of Amari Cooper better, right? It, it's one thing to have him end up as, say, the wide receiver eight or nine, but you just have that extreme volatility week to week. I would much rather have him be the wide receiver 12 or 13, but know that I can plug him in and I can feel great with at least 12 points uh, and maybe somewhere, you know, somewhere in the range between 12 and say, you know, the good weeks being 25 or so points. Like I would much rather... And that was honestly, that was part of the reason I was big on Michael Gallup this year. That hasn't worked out. But the logic being that Gallup kind of gave you a more consistent week to week floor over Cooper. Um, now, Mari Cooper's giving you that solid floor. And I'm totally fine with him as kind of a fringe wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two. But just knowing uh, that I'm not going to ride the roller coaster from week to week, I'm totally OK with that. So uh, I, I have really kind of changed my tune and gotten way more on board uh, with Amari Cooper this year versus, say, past years. We'll see what happens next year. I mean, there's a good chance he may not be in Dallas. Who knows? Um, but but at least we had this year out of him. So that was, that's was that been pretty fantastic. And that was Best of the Pack, presented by Panini Trading Cards. By the way, for more fantasy goodness, you can check out me along with Michael F. Florio, Kimmy Checks, and Adam Rank on Fantasy Game Day. We kicked that off at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, streaming at NFL.com, the NFL apps, and YouTube.com slash NFL Fantasy Football, where uh, Florio is actually in the chat room uh, in the comment section i should say uh, answering your questions up until about 15 minutes or so before kickoff uh, as we always do on friday we turn to our resident nerd matt okada and ask him a question that is fantasy related this week we wanted to know about the best playoff stretch runs in NFL history. And here's what Okada came up with. Thanks, Marcus. And welcome to all you playoff-bound fantasy managers. As we enter crunch time, we're taking a look at the five greatest fantasy playoff runs in history. Let's kick it off at number five, all the way back in 1982 with Chargers wideout Wes Chandler. The all-pro receiver had 503 yards and seven touchdowns in weeks 14 through 16, including a 10-catch, 260-yard, two-touchdown game in Week 15. All told, Chandler scored 113.3 fantasy points over that three-game stretch. Number four on our list is another throwback, Raiders receiver Art Powell in 1963. Nicknamed Kingpin, Powell was one of the league's first receiving superstars, and 63 was a career year. In the playoff stretch, Powell scored nine receiving TDs and totaled 114 fantasy points, with an incredible 59 in championship week alone. 
We travel back to the modern age for number three on our list, Chiefs running back Jamal Charles. In 2013, Charles had 25-plus fantasy points in all three playoff weeks, including a 60-point outing in Week 15 that remains a top-10 single-game fantasy performance to this day. Charles scored eight total touchdowns and 114.7 fantasy points over that stretch. The number two fantasy playoff stretch goes to NFL MVP and Hall of Famer LaDainian Tomlinson in 2003. That year, LT racked up 530 of his league-leading 2,400 scrimmage yards in weeks 14 through 16, along with six touchdowns for a total of 115 fantasy points. Finally, we come to number one on our list, Todd Gurley in 2017. In his heyday with the Rams, Gurley was finishing off a monster season when he hit week 14. And over the fantasy playoff weeks, he scored 28, 45, and 50 fantasy points with an insane 276 yards and two TDs in championship week. That wraps up our list, but only kicks off the 2020 fantasy playoffs. Good luck on your run to the title, and may the fantasy points be with you. Thank you, Matt. Uh, always good stuff there. Uh, all right, so maybe a couple of non-surprises there. Todd Gurley being one of them. And actually, you referenced it uh, on Fantasy Live recently. Uh, you talk, talked about you expect Derrick Henry to potentially go on a Todd Gurley-like rampage through the fantasy playoffs, which uh, would not be a surprise. Although you mentioned to me that, that you had Gurley that year, and uh, things did not turn out so great for you. Yeah, I had Todd Gurley in, in 2017, and I had him in multiple leagues. I won in one of them, and then in the other one, I did the impossible. I got the 50-plus point game out of him and lost because everyone else on my team did nothing. And I still remember it. I lost by single digits, and Devonta Freeman got stuffed at the goal line like three times in a row. And if he scored that touchdown, I would have won. Uh, but yeah, I'm not salty about it still, Marcus. <laughs> not at all. Uh, obviously not. Um so you know, we'll see who has the big championship runs this year. Uh, like you said, Derrick Henry is set up great for it. If you could pick a player that you think is going to be on the most fantasy championship rosters this year, who do you think it's going to be? I think Cam Akers is the early favorite right now. Um, <laughs> at least that's what fantasy Twitter would have you to think. I know it's boring. I think it's Derrick Henry, though, because the next three weeks are Jacksonville, Detroit, Green Bay, and those are three of the top four teams in fantasy points allowed to running backs. And we know that this is the time of year where the Titans just, their offense changes and they start feeding Derrick Henry the ball 20 plus times every single week. So I think if it's anyone, it'll be him. I think Aaron Jones is another one, though, because he has a great schedule as well. So unfortunately, I don't have either of those two on, <laughs> on my teams that I think could win a championship. And I'm scared because I think those two can just go on a historic run these next three weeks. I'm going to go with another running back. I'm going to go James Robinson. And the schedule isn't necessarily superb for him, but I think it's because of sort of how people acquired him, right? Like, I mean, nobody really drafted James Robinson anywhere. I mean, uh, maybe if you were super hipster or you live in Jacksonville, you did. But other than that, he was a guy that was picked up off the waiver wire after the first couple of weeks, and it's turned out to be one of the best running backs in fantasy. And so I think what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of teams where they added James Robinson, and then maybe they got somebody back after an injury and suddenly ended up with this just loaded uh, running back situation there. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Robinson there. And it's, this is a number we always get. Uh, I know the, the folks uh, on our, our development team on, on, that work on the app, they always sort of compile these things, and they always will tell us at the end of the year uh, which player was on the highest percentage of championship rosters. So looking forward to seeing who that's going to be. Uh, I, I do think, though, that all three of those names we mentioned, whether it's uh, Henry or Aaron Jones or James Robinson, they're going to go a long way toward helping people win championships, especially uh, if they produce over the next few weeks.
All right, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, no one is listening to you until you fart. Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, (laughs) and we will see you on Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.